Welcome to Someplace for Everybody, where we talk about belonging and being a human in our bodies, in living in and learning to love our bodies. I'm your host, Carly Someplace. This podcast is brought to you by Someplace Images, Boudoir for Everybody. You can see the full show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Now, let's change some self-perspectives. Hi, everybody. I'm Carly Someplace, and I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Ashley Zimmerman. Ashley, will you tell us a little bit more about your doctorness and yeah. all of all of the things? Because I'm so excited for you to be on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the doctorness. That was doctorness. Um, <laughs> so hello, everyone. I am a doctor of physical therapy, but I specifically specialize in treating the pelvic floor. Fantastic. And so what that entails is... Anybody with pelvic floor dysfunction, which if you're not familiar with that, think incontinence, which is any kind of leaking of urine or bowel that you didn't intend, even if it's just a couple drops, mm-hmm. pelvic organ prolapse, um, which is when some of the pelvic organs, they start to move and they actually start to migrate or they can, I should say, they can migrate outside of your body, Woof. outside of the openings, whether it's vaginal mm-hmm. um, or rectal. And then I treat a lot of people, probably the most um, is like the perinatal area. So if you're pregnant or postpartum, and then those who have pain with intercourse. Got it. Yeah. Very very intense subjects. (laughs) Yes, it is. And a lot of times it's heavy and it involves, you know, all of the big traumas that you can imagine and all of the small traumas that you can imagine and all equally important in when it comes to treatment and really allowing space for healing. I think a lot of times it's the big traumas that like get all the glory, right? Like those are the ones that we should pay attention to. And it's really unfortunate that we don't pay attention to the smaller ones. Yeah. So I do that and I am also a pleasure coach. Woo. Yes. I love it. And I want you to tell me more about that because that's new, right? Yes, this is new. And it's been a long time coming, and this past year has been honestly the hardest in every single way that you could interpret that. But it's funny because this was kind of thrown into my life as like, okay, well, here. Like <laughs> this sometimes, is what sometimes the best things are and it just like ends yeah. up and you're like, okay, I guess this yeah. is happening now. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, like literally felt incredibly lost and then had a couple people reach out and I was like, Yeah, I can do that. And then I was like, wait a second, this is like the love of my life. Um and so what it is is I you know, and we can talk more about any parts of this, but there's a whole movement out there about like having the best sex of your life and like having a big orgasm every time you have sex. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's, I think that that's great. I think it serves its purpose. But unfortunately, what I also think that that does is it puts the pressure on the owner of the vulva. Right. And such very unrealistic expectations. Yes, exactly. And it can be very, very damaging. And this is what we do, I feel like, in this society is we, like, find the next cool thing. Right. Um, and then we push it and it's all over the place. Right. And it can just be very, very detrimental to um, if it's 
you know, if it's misused. Yeah. So do absolutely. I think that there's, yeah, like, do I think there's a place for that? 100%. But pleasure honestly has nothing to do with sex. And if you have pleasure oh, in your yeah. life, can it enhance your sexual experience? 100%. And so what we can talk about is like, what are the different types of orgasms and how can you, if that is something that you're interested in, 100%, let's talk about it and let's get you to yes. the place where you want to be. But like, where is pleasure in your life? Where is pleasure in your body? And how are you living that day to day? Because right. that's ultimately the goal, right? Is it's like, how are we showing up in the world with pleasure so that everything in our life is just better? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. And so I have like four... I don't know if you want to call them like pillars that like is really like encompassed. So like the first one is education because we can't do a whole lot. If you don't know your body mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. we can't get really far. And so we meet you where you're at. And sometimes it involves the sex education that you never got, um, that we all should have gotten. Yes. 100%. I so believe in that. (laughs) Yes. It involves. hardcore believe in that. (laughs) Yes. It involves the cycle education that you deserve but never got Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, wherever you're at on that, like, right. So we can customize it to where your knowledge level is at because it's, that's one of the things too, is that this, this world around sex is often very shameful. Yes. And terrifying. Yes. And so like, it's just, it's such bogus really. And in the, the expression, obviously, of yes. sex and sexuality, obviously, yes. what I do with images, there's a yeah. lot of shame that mm-hmm. comes around generally women. I obviously shoot everybody, but um, generally women of being like, well, why would you want those done? Why would you do totally. it just for yourself? Yeah, it's It kind of comes, boudoir com- kind of comes with this expectation that it's for your partner and that it's mm-hmm. for or like your significant other. And that absolutely 100% is not the case. I would say like more than 50% of the time, I absolutely have people who want to gift something to their partner or for their wedding day or for an anniversary or for something. But Mm -hmm. I have so many other people who come in and it's a reclamation of power and Mm -hmm. it's a reclamation of self. um, Or it's a, I want to feel more comfortable in my body and I want to be able to see myself as more sexy and I want to see myself as more beautiful and seeing that through a different person's perspective is a huge thing, but there's so much shame and stigmatization around like feeling sexual or looking sexual and then mm-hmm. quote unquote asking for sex when it's not because it's, it's, yeah, there's so much stigma around sex and body and boudoir yeah. and, and pleasure yeah. and anything. And it's, yeah. it's just so interesting. And so I feel like, honestly, we're probably going to have to do two episodes. We're going to do yeah. one about sex and pleasure and we're going to do <laughs> one about pelvic health. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> because for sure. I feel like you and I could probably talk for like three hours. <laughs> probably. Yeah. About all of this. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll do a little, uh, I'll say that. So I technically first met you through Facebook, through my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I did like a, I guess it would kind of be like a coaching 
session, you coached people in my group and answered a bunch of questions and sat down and had an entire conversation. We did it over two days and it was amazing of being able to talk about pelvic wellness um, Mm -hmm. and pelvic floor questions and different things like that, which was so incredibly helpful for a lot of people and such an amazing resource and was really, really freaking cool. And so I'm so excited to like hear more in this pleasure everything because it's it it goes so hand in hand obviously with what you already do so I'm very excited so we'll definitely do two episodes so we'll focus on pleasure for this one which I'm super excited about yeah yeah (laughs) super excited about so oh gosh I don't even know where to start like what I guess what would be so if somebody came to see you Mm -hmm. for pleasure what would be like the first initial questions that you would ask them or like for coaching in that direction I obviously know that pleasure is different for everybody Mm -hmm. we can generally state that as as an overview that that it totally is for everybody so but I'm so curious yeah so I mean I think this is like something that everybody can do right now that's listening is just to think about the word pleasure right Because when people think of pleasure, often what they think of is, I shouldn't say, I mean, not everybody is like this, right? But often there is some kind of connection to sex. And that can be really difficult for some people um, because of their, whether it's their upbringing or traumas that have happened in the past. And I want there to be a break of pleasure does not equal sex. And, you know, if we're going to talk about, like, if we're going to state that, we have to understand that sex is also not just penis and vagina penetration. Absolutely. Which is what, again, the common belief is. Right. And what basic sex education tells you. If, if it was even offered in your school. Yeah, exactly. You. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very, oh gosh, the education is so lacking in so many places. And it's really like in my 30s that I'm now figuring out how mm-hmm. much it was lacking. Mm-hmm. It's wild, huh? It's completely crazy. It's it's just like, again, it's all this like stigma around it. And I remember sitting in sex ed in like eighth grade with the guy that I had a crush on sitting across the table from me, just like he was bright red, bright yeah. red the whole time. And like all the boys were like playing with condoms and like slinging yeah. them across the room. And I was like, this is not, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be here. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, like, again, this is my podcast. So I feel zero shame and oversharing. I got my period pretty young. I got my period when I was 11. So like mm-hmm. when they were talking about menstruating and stuff like that, I was like, old news. I already know what's up yeah. here. <laughs> like Seriously. you're telling me this when I'm 13 or 14 and I started my period when I was 11 and had zero idea what it even was prior to that yeah. like it was like I, all of a sudden I was like oh my god I don't know what's happening with my body because I yeah. was a kid and mm-hmm. and there's so much that isn't even touched on in the education world for those things and I'm sure obviously on both sides I only have the female perspective of it but it's just such a it's so crazy to me. So crazy to me. <laughs> it is. It really is. And you know, like when you think about like what sex ed was and not that they, I think that in general, not that they went into it being like, okay, we're going to make sure that everybody knows what male pleasure is. Right. When, in terms of sexuality or like sexual experience, but everybody kind of knows how to pleasure a guy. And what we're told about those with a vulva is that they're complicated. Yeah. It takes a long time. Yeah. And it's just too much. Yeah. 
because they're complicated, right? Right. And so, or there is still, and I hear, you know, every time I hear it, I'm always a little bit surprised because I'm like, okay, wow, this is still out there. But like, or it's that there's been so much shame in their upbringing that that sex is for the owner of a penis. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so, it's so sad. It's so incredibly sad because it's just so far from the truth. And so we start at like, what is your definition of pleasure? When you hear pleasure, like what sensations come in your body? Does it make your stomach feel sick? Does your heart start to beat really fast? Or do you feel Mm -hmm. like you kind of like are out of breath? Do you feel like weak in your legs? Like you just feel like you don't want to talk about it? Or does it feel exciting and you're curious about it? Mm-hmm. Does it feel really good and you can like feel that wave kind of move through your body and you're like, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's talk about this. Right. So there's so many different ranges. And then when you get into it further, every like you said, everybody experiences pleasure differently and that yes. should be celebrated because it's really about this journey to finding like your true essence Mm-hmm. And how do you – so it's it's finding your true essence and then deciding what, if anything, you want to share with somebody and who. Absolutely. But that comes second to like what you want to share with yourself. Right. And, and, and it's so yeah. interesting as you're describing. So I don't know if you know this. Um, I've posted about it a couple times, but I'm – we're so ready to launch. Um, so it's a good thing. And this is a great episode to talk about it in. I co-wrote a self-love journal um, with my co-author, my friend Hannah. And we have an entire entire chapter on sex. Oh. Um, and we wrote this specifically for women and talking about, you know, the elusive quote unquote female orgasm, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and all of the stupid stigma around it. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting. So the journal itself is not just about sex, but it, it covers a lot of aspects in everybody's you know lives. And it's very deeply introspective. We were finishing up and doing final things. And we were talking about shame. And we were talking about how how shame has a feeling in your body. And it's mm-hmm. usually that like hot and cold rush that in, it like washes over you almost like a wave. And it's such an interesting thing when you were talking about, you know, does pleasure, does pleasure the word pleasure uh, kind of give you those feelings in which it would be very associated with shame or does it give you a feeling that's a completely you know different and warm and and exciting and things like that and so i when you said that i was like oh gosh like it's those mm-hmm. shame feelings and yeah. you know the queen of shame is brene brown so <laughs> we yeah. definitely you know talk about her and quote her in so many ways and and it's just such a very interesting thing to even just have that association with that word and then, you know, how you can work past it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like the work, the working past it. I think one of the problems is we too often just rely on other people to tell us how to quote, fix it. Right. But the fixes that were taught are very superficial. And if you're, especially if you're in a medical setting, it's like, okay, well, just go home and relax, like run a bath, have some wine, blah, 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 go get a pedicure. 
Yeah. Which is great. It all feels great, right? Like I love a good bath. I love <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I definitely talk about, I had an episode about like self-care and what it's not. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that absolutely can be self-care, but that's yeah. not the root and, of self-care. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's like, it's like nobody wants to discuss with other people. Well, what, what do you know about yourself? Right. Like nobody wants to really go there. And I find that even true for therapy. Like there are some therapists that I have personally seen where we never find a solution for anything. Like right. I, there's only so many sessions that I can come in and like talk about the same thing over and over again before you help me figure out how to move this out of my body. Because the only way I'm going to get rid of the trauma and the emotion is mm-hmm. to move it out of my body. If it stays in my body, I'm going to deal with it every day. Absolutely. You know, it's not that it, it's not that when it moves through your body, you just forget about it and it's gone, Mm -hmm. but it moves through your body to the point where you can find the path forward. Absolutely. And until you do that, you're kind of stuck. And so I've just been finding with all of, you know, because I don't know, I sometimes wish I would have counted how many women have like laid on my table. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that'd be a really good statistic. I mean, I- I love a good statistic. I'm so easy because like I can literally like open a folder and be like, how many folders are in this folder? Because that's totally. how many clients I had this year. So yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew how many, because I, because so many of them, they don't start coming to me or they don't know maybe that that's part of the reason why they're coming to me because they want to fix the external symptoms, which is the incontinence right? or the whatever it is. Right. But And I think, too, in the medical system, we just refuse to look at what else is going on internally. Oh, absolutely. But most of the time, yeah, I can give you physical exercises, but that's not what's going to actually help you. No. And and so it's very much – it's very much, okay, so what are we going to do and how are we going to help you move this – these feelings through your body to get to the point where you feel safe within yourself to find pleasure? It's safe. It's the yeah. safety. And we're always going to feel self or safest with ourself first. Right. And then yeah. again, it's like, who yeah. do you decide to share that with? Do you want to share it with anybody? You don't have to at all. Right. But if you yeah. want to, how can you bring that safety into that situation too? Well, and I think that even within, we'll say cliques of women or cliques of friendship, you I find that I have very specific friends that I'm comfortable sharing like Mm -hmm. details of my sex life or details of anything like that with and other people. It's just a hard no. Like I would Mm -hmm. never feel safe sharing those details with them regardless of, you know, who they are or it, it could be anything. And so it's just, it's so interesting because it is even in that, in, in moving forward and sharing, which is then becomes in, you know, a lot of what I deal with, which it, I'm sure it ties so much into pleasure is self-confidence mm-hmm. um, and, and coming into that and being able to share openly with others, just that sense of self is, is such an interesting thing. And so I think that that can also be tied to, again, shame mm-hmm. and safety yeah. because there are certain people that I would just never have those conversations with. And if I did, I would feel shame. I would totally. feel ashamed yes. versus like, there are other people that I'm going to be like, so let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then this happened and, yeah. and, and to be able to, you know, move forward and, and be able to do those things. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's very, 
yeah, it's fascinating. It, it is. It's super fascinating. And I, I think about this a lot. And especially as I was like creating um, this new thing is like what a world it would be if we were all able to show up knowing who like our true self is and knowing what where our essence comes from. Oh, yes. Because it would automatically peel down so many walls that create so many layers in people. The lack of yeah, the lack of safety for self and others. Right. Because if I'm if you and I just met and we're both showing up authentically ourselves, which is something that I feel like the both of us are able to do. Right. But I'm not unaware that it is something that we both had to kind of work for. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it took, if it took every- a lot of work to yes. to get. And I, I say that constantly. People always ask, you know, where's your confidence come from? And I'm like, daily, I have to pick myself. Yes. Daily, sometimes yes. hourly, I have to choose to like myself when I'm having a really bad day. Some days it's so easy. Other days it is so hard. And then I think that in those experiences and and you're right that you and I can show up and and have a conversation like this that we know is going to be broadcasted on you know on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts like <laughs> and I have I have no shame in talking about my sex life now and I have no shame in doing these things because I've spent so much time working on myself that I am confident in those things mm-hmm. and I am confident in what I I will say and mm-hmm. and the things that I am going to p- keep private or keep between myself and my partner or between myself and a group of friends or whatever that's perfectly fine and I know where those mm-hmm. lines are but it's taken a lot to get to the point of even just being able to to speak freely mm-hmm. and show up authentically with my as myself for other people yeah and I think that it takes a lot of self-work to get there. It's it's not a, you know, overnight instant thing. And I think that it would be so amazing if people could do that because then the connection that you have with people is so much instantly deeper. And it's so yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So fantastic. And we just, there just would automatically be less judgment. And if there's oh, less yeah. judgment, then there's less need for you to feel shame. And we can break down those Again, it's so deeply rooted in so many things that we are like forced to kind of see in the society we live in. Right. Um, and things things that are really out of our control. Again, sex yeah. ed. And mm-hmm. like I can imagine like, you know, again, I can vividly remember what sex ed was like, even though I was 13, 14 years old and I'm 33 now. Like that's yeah. a... Yeah. 20 years ago, I can literally remember sitting in the library exactly what everything looked like, who was sitting at my table. Like those are memories that are deeply ingrained. That is long-term memory and it's not going anywhere mm-hmm. because of the situation and that in in that moment it felt shameful and it felt, yeah. you know, like all of these things. And so I can only imagine that if somebody had a more traumatic experience than I did with sex ed I feel like I I, and I hate Mm -hmm. to say that sex ed is traumatic but like I feel like everybody is like oh god uh." Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's such a it's it blows my mind that I know but all of those things can absolutely affect how anybody and everybody deals with thinking about pleasure thinking about sex thinking about anything yeah. that has to do with those things that we were taught in middle school yeah yeah very and, basically <laughs> yeah exactly and you know like from the time that 
I mean, there's a couple of things, right? Like as a female or somebody with a vulva, you're told that like you're too emotional or too much, everything is too much. And that turns into like too complicated. But if you're on the other side of that, it's that, you know, you don't show emotion at all. Right. And so we're automatically pinned against each other and we don't know how to find the common ground within ourselves, within our likeness in terms of like how we express ourselves and with the counterparts. Right. And if you take everything away, and this would be, I mean, a whole hour long, kind (laughs) of maybe boring for some people anatomy lecture, but if we we take it all away, we all literally have the same parts. Yes. They're the exact same. They just look different. And who learned that in sex ed? Yeah, nobody. No one. We learned that we were different. Yeah. Right? But we are the exact same. It's just in a little bit of a different order. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's so oh man, it's just like it just, it makes me like so angry because I'm like it's not that hard to like just tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like, the anatomy <laughs> isn't new. Like this isn't no. groundbreaking science that we're just learning about. Like it's not that hard to tell the truth. No. And it's not that hard to make somebody feel welcome about how they want to express themselves. It's really, if you're a good person, it's really not that hard. No, absolutely. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, <laughs> so, so for our listeners, so what does the word pleasure, like think it through? Cause that, I mean, that's a whole. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's how we got here is by thinking about what pleasure is, but Yeah, like think about it, write down what you feel like it means. Where does pleasure show up for you? Like what, so we already talked about like what does it feel in your body, but where does it show up for you? Do you even know slash do you believe that you can experience pleasure in your everyday life? Because, you know, we think we're told a lot or we get the impression a lot that we have to work really hard to deserve anything. Right. And so like you don't deserve to buy a house until you work really hard or you don't deserve to have a nice car until you've like put in the time or you don't deserve to make a lot of money until you unless you've stayed at a company for 20 years. Like the world is not like that. No. And it is incredibly terrible, really, that we have that impression that our worth is based off of how hard we work and that if we mess up, then we're not worthy or we make a mistake, we're not worthy. If we change our job, we're not worthy. All of those things that are tied into this like falsehood of what is going to give you a quote, pleasurable life. Right. And then you miss it. And all of a sudden, if you get all of that, you still don't experience pleasure to the point where it rocks your bones every single day. Right. Well, and it's just like, so I, I, as you're saying this, I'm just thinking about like, just like, such simple pleasures that I get on a daily basis. And for me, so my boyfriend goes to work extremely, extremely early in the summer. It's 2.30 in the morning. Right now in the winter, it's about 4 a.m. When he gets out of bed and I can just like roll over and starfish (laughs) is like an ultimate moment of pleasure for me every single moment. I love him so much. But like having the whole bed to myself is like, (sighs) yes, yes. And, and it's, it's those so what nice. makes you yeah like what makes you have that little sigh that she just exactly had, that and, like, that, and that's obviously something that is absolutely not sexual and on the flip side yeah. on the mornings that he's off and we get to sleep in together it's I mean something that's more tactile of him 
rolling over and just like pulling me in close to him. That's another mm-hmm. moment of just like such pleasure. And I feel so content, but like when mm-hmm. he gets out of bed, I'm like, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, like, and it's just like, my pillow is cool then. And I just get the whole bed and it's so nice. Yes. <laughs> I have such joy in that moment. I mean, like I'm sad he's leaving for work, but at the same time, I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> Look at all this yes. space I have. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you gave like two really good examples, right? Because one has nothing to do with anybody else. It's like no. you spreading out, right? It's yeah. like you taking up space and being unapologetic about the space that you're taking up. And the other one involves somebody else. And it doesn't have to be your partner. And what you described could be sexual or it could not be. Absolutely. Right? And so how, like... Oh, a good hug brings me such pleasure. It doesn't matter yes. who it's from. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. only only saying that, you know, it's it's somewhat tactile in nature that we're in bed together in the morning and he's pulling me close and that's, you know, we're getting to sleep in together and snuggle. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it, I don't want to say like leads to anything because sometimes it's mm-hmm. like, hey, we have like 20 minutes and we have to get out of bed. So <laughs> we're going to mm-hmm. just lay here and cuddle for a few minutes mm-hmm. or, you know, it, sometimes it does lead to things sometimes. And, and that's, I guess I love that and I think that this is important, with no expectation. Yeah. I love that with no expectation because it could be, again, that we're getting out of bed 10 minutes from now, or it could be that we're going to stay in bed all day. And and those are two different things. And and I'm not stuck on either outcome. Like, I just love the act of him wrapping his arm around me and smushing me in close to him. Like, that is the act and and it doesn't matter where it leads Mm -hmm. and the same honestly can be said about like some people when I hug them I'm like god this is just so wonderful Mm -hmm. and and it's so nice to have especially I will say after the last year and a half to two years of just madness and not really having a physical relationship with a lot of people I'm a very physical person to be able to hug people and everything like this and I even with COVID and everything I've always been like you know can I hug you can I Mm-hmm. always and 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 there's such joy that can be and pleasure that can be derived from that mm-hmm. in just the most basic of senses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're so right. And I think, you know, something cuz you brought up the last couple years which has been uh, you know, it's this huge global trauma that whether or not we realize it every day while we're walking around, every single person on this planet has been affected by it. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, there's a lot of people who were alone through it yeah. all. And yeah. and this is where, this is where some of this, like, this work is really magical. Mm-hmm. Because just by exploring what touch feels like on your body, you're giving yourself that input like you're describing in these hugs. Yeah. And so like placing your – literally like taking your hands and placing them on your head. Like what does that feel like? Describe it. Like what does it feel like if you like – you know how when you like go get your hair done and they rub your head and it like feels so good and you want to stay there forever? (laughs) Do that to yourself. Give yourself a little scalp massage. Like what does it feel like if you place your hands on your chest and just hold it there? Because if you press – if you give yourself a little bit of a firmness across the chest, it can calm anxiety. It can make you feel safe. It can make you feel grounded. It can do so many things for you. But then like what does it feel like if you touch your thighs or your knees or your shins or your feet? And just exploring that touch within yourself can bring you, 
Yeah, it is. It's so powerful. And it can bring you to the point of understanding a little bit more about where, like where the hangups are within yourself. You know, one of the things that we like haven't touched on is like, I I talk a lot about wholeness and the goal isn't to be perfect. Oh, absolutely. Nobody's perfect, (laughs) right? Like searching for perfection. But I think depending on, again, like our past experiences, a lot of us have been told that, or a lot of us think that that's the ultimate goal is like, I have to be perfect. Or again, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. But wholeness doesn't mean that you don't have any cracks, right? Yes. But it's like when we have those cracks, it's, it's nourishing them. The stuff that matters is what we fill the cracks with. And that's what makes us whole. And that's what helps us to like move forward with a sense of like, okay, I, at the end of the day, am regardless of what happened during that day, regardless of what I did or what somebody did to me or what happened, I am still a sovereign being who is worthy of love. Yes. Right. And when you live a life where you can identify pleasure you can identify how to feel because my idea, we might, you and I might have some of the same interpretations of pleasure and we might feel pleasure in the same, some of the same ways. Right. We might also have that be very different. But when we're aware of those cracks and we can live a life or we can see pleasure and we can experience pleasure every day, it's much easier to fill those cracks in with the love versus yeah. filling those cracks in with the shame. Because yeah. the shame doesn't make us whole, right? It the yeah. shame keeps it spreads those, everything apart even more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, shame is shame is such a departure from self because it truly yes. is taking a a look at what other people what you think other people are thinking of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what you are thinking of yourself. And there's mm-hmm. def- there's definitely self-shame, but I won't say always, but mm-hmm. overarchingly comes from an idea that someone else gave you Mm -hmm. it's like the whole you know like good and evil thing of like how are you to know what's good and what's evil unless somebody tells you and and those are taught in so many different ways for somebody it's like you I mean it could be something so simple that other people are like wait what (laughs) Mm -hmm. why is that bad why is that you know and and I think that it's just such a, a huge part of the human experience and communication is obviously one of the biggest things that takes some shame away. You know, I saw, I saw this guy, he had a shirt on and it said, your anxiety is lying to you. And that's been one of the things throughout this past year. Like one of the things that I've been like very actively trying to like figure out some things happened that made my anxiety like, the worst I've ever experienced. I didn't even know that that was a possibility, honestly. Oh, I have, but, I have stress hives right now, so yeah. <laughs> I feel you. So, yes. so I saw this guy and it said, it, it, his shirt literally just said, your anxiety is lying to you. And I literally almost tackled him because I wanted to like give him the biggest hug. Right. Because I was like, wow, thank you so much for that reminder. But if it's anxiety or if it's shame, if it's depression, right. our brain cannot tell the difference between what is true and what is not. Yes. And so we're telling ourselves all of these things that aren't true. And if you told me those things about yourself, I'd be like, you're 
you're nuts. Like yeah. the, the, and, and this is why those things aren't true. Right. Like, and you would be able to be like, Oh, okay. You know, we could like talk through that. But when you're with yourself and you're experiencing that, right. It's really hard to talk yourself out of it because you don't know what's true and what's not. Right. And that, I mean, that is, it's, it's so ingrained to everything. So speaking on my experience level with bodies, specifically in body shame, I really don't like my knees. Like I am so self-conscious of them and like Mm -hmm. nobody is going to look at me and be like, oh my God, did you see her knees? Like that is, that's never going to happen. But like in my brain, when I wear a short skirt, like that is what I think that people think. Yeah. And I don't... I I know 100% where it came from. I 100% know where it came from. It came from my grandmother. But Mm. that is like, (laughs) Mm. I have taken, it has taken me so long to untrain my brain to think that there is something wrong with my knees Mm -hmm. because my grandmother made comments 20 years ago about them. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Okay. This is why, oh, this is so awesome. So I, until this year, had not worn a pair of shorts out in public, like <gasps> pair of jean shorts out in public since I was like in high school. Maybe not even in high school. Oh my goodness. Right? Yes. And where are the shorts? I'm <laughs> listening to this and it's summer yes. later after if you're getting caught up on this podcast, wear the shorts. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yes. I know it's wild because I I know, like you said, I know exactly where it came from. It came from, and this is like so mind boggling because I hear myself say this now. I'm like, this is insane. But right. Right. but it came from like being with my friends when we were younger, like middle schoolish age, mm-hmm. middle school, like maybe early high school and them wearing size like double zero or zero and right. seeing my size four American Eagle jeans. And they were my favorite jeans in the entire world. And I didn't know that I wore a four and they wore a double zero and my heart sank. And I was like, I can never, I can never wear anything other than pants that like cover my legs because my legs must look huge. Right. And so I can't wear shorts. Like what? What? And I grew up in a place that was so humid and like the county fair every summer was like where everybody went and I wore pants every time. Ashley. Yep. Every time I would be like sweating but I would wear my jeans because there was no way I was wearing shorts. So it's interesting because I feel like my experience is the exact opposite is that my grandmother, it wasn't necessarily that she was body shaming me. She was body shaming somebody else in my family, which is very common. And mm-hmm. and I, <laughs> I've deeply discussed my grandmother on a different episode of the podcast. And I probably will continue to deeply discuss my grandmother on many episodes of this podcast because a lot of my self-confidence comes from the fact that she did that. I recognize that. I recognize that I don't like my knees because of that, but I wore shorts and I wore the shortest shorts I possibly could to defy her. <laughs> and people so are like, awesome. where do you get your confidence from? And I'm like, defiance. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was angry and I wanted her to know that I didn't care, even though I did. <laughs> like the, it, it, it really does. It kind of like goes both directions. It's, yeah. Uh, and those are both things and it's not that I wasn't like mortified every time I did but I was like nope I'm doing it anyways (laughs) yeah yeah and it's so it's so crazy it's so crazy it is crazy isn't that interesting it's so interesting so anyways I have some really (laughs) cute jean shorts now I'm so proud of you (laughs) 
I'm so proud of you. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I wore them and I had a great time while I wore them. And your legs deserve sunshine. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's exactly. legs deserve sunshine. Your body deserves sunshine. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go into, because I do have a couple questions that I ask yeah. everybody on the podcast and I, I feel like we could dive deeper into pleasure and I, I kind of almost want to like yeah. have a part two to this somewhat yeah. soon-ish. So let's totally let's talking about that a little bit later, okay. but okay. I want people to get to know you just a little bit more because I, I just find it fascinating especially that now that you're moving into pleasure coaching and where that kind of came through came from and I I'm just so I I want them to know more about you because I think you're really cool (laughs) Um, and so I want to ask and even as we're just discussing this whole thing with the shorts and everything like that so I really I ask everybody like what has been a turning point in in your own reclamation of self, your own self-love and your own realization of, of moving forward, doing that and, and being able to, to be authentically yourself, show up authentically as yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the thing that has been the real changer, and I say that because I think that I thought I had moments before, but looking back, they were still helpful. Don't get me wrong, but more superficial. Yep. Like they kind of like cracked the surface, you know, and I thought, Where I was in life, I thought it was like a big thing, but it wasn't until after I had a miscarriage mm-hmm. that I was like, my world was rocked in so many ways. Right. And it wasn't even because I was, of course, sad that like the miscarriage happened, but it wasn't even about like the loss of the fetus. Right. It was about that I failed as a woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, this is what I do for a living. Like I help pregnant people all the time and I help postpartum people all the time and I help people with their cycle and I help them like get to know their bodies and I couldn't keep a pregnancy. So like biggest fraud right. on earth, like, you know, horn sounding like she's lost it <laughs> is where I went um right. and thought that there was like no space for like like I didn't deserve to be in the place that I was in to help other women. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean it's oh, ab- oh absolutely. It makes sense be I I think and it, and speaking even just on miscarriage and pregnancy is that let's state some t- statistics for anybody listening that it's extremely common. Yeah. You have a miscarriage. Yeah. It does not mean there's anything wrong. We totally. (laughs) It is extremely common. Unfortunately, it is extremely common. And, and, and I don't think, I I mean, I personally live in, in the world of thought that being a mother and carrying a baby does not have anything to do with womanhood. Yes. And and I think that that's, again, let's go back to sex Mm -hmm. ed. That is Mm -hmm. what we're taught is that that is what Mm -hmm. your body is supposed to do. And that's the only thing that it's supposed Mm -hmm. to do. And yes, biologically thousands of years ago, that is what you were meant for was to procreate. But like, we live in a society where, miracles happen every day because of science and there's so much more to that. And I I think that I can, I can't entirely relate. I have not had a miscarriage, but I can relate in the way that I personally don't necessarily want children. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm shamed for that in my daily, in my life daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and and I think that on there all sides of that coin is is trauma that we carry as women specifically totally. um, in in motherhood, pregnancy, etc. Yeah. I mean, like the amount of times that I have been asked, "You're in your mid thirties and you don't have kids. What's wrong with you?" Oh yeah, like oh yeah. Nothing. I almost said a swear word, but you can say you can say <laughs> swear words if you want. I say swear words in here all the time. I I always am like motherfucker, like who are you? Yeah, and exactly. excuse me, like, and you know, so like, yeah, the miscarriage, and it was so wild because it wasn't. I know that one day I'm supposed to be a mother, right? And I've just always known that it's just something I've always known. It's something that I've chosen for myself. I've I've just known that I'm going to be a mother. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that I'm going to be a mother, right? And so when this happened, and I wasn't happy about it, I didn't want the baby, right? Truthfully, right? So then here I am, like I think that's how it all started because I was like, okay, you're getting your wish. You want a baby, like you want to be a mom. Yes. Now here it is and you don't want it. Like how selfish are you? Like how right. how dare you do this, right? But like how dare I speak what I want and stand up for what I want? And then the miscarriage happened and then it was like, cool, so you're going to take my choice away from me? Like right. sc- screw you. And like what did I do to fail? Like how come I couldn't grow the right. fetus? Like what right. the heck is going on? Knowing that like I know very well that none of that is true exactly like you this is your job (laughs) I know that none of that is true but I I spiraled and I I like lost it and it was the darkest place I've ever been and it was very scary it was very scary for a while and that I can like now confidently say is like that's the moment where I was like okay here you are like yes here you are, like, how are you going to choose to pick yourself back up? And what pieces do you want to bring forward? And that's powerful. That's so powerful, Ashley. And I mean, honestly, even just thank you for sharing that, because a lot of people who've had miscarriages don't want to talk about them. Yeah, There's a lot of stigma around that in general as well. Again, even that it's so common, there's still so much stigma around it. And and so thank you for sharing that. And it's, but it is, and it's, I, I truly do think though, that there are so many, I hate to say traumatic moments that make us who we are yeah. um, and bring us through resilience. And yeah, I don't want anybody to live through trauma to make them a better person. Period. Totally. I, don't, I don't want yeah. that to be the bar of like, Oh, it, you know, it didn't kill you. So it made you stronger. That oh. I, that's so, that's such bullshit. The worst. However, We're like, you know, God doesn't give you whatever you can. And this doesn't mean I don't believe in a higher power. Right. But when people say God doesn't give you what you can't handle, like we are not on this earth to only experience joy if we've suffered. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy that that is, that is, and, but truly stepping into ourselves plenty of times not always but plenty of times does come from trauma and does come from like you said I'm now at the bottom and I want to move forward and what pieces am I bringing with me and that is insanely powerful I just got chills saying that um (laughs) insanely powerful and it's an insanely powerful topic in itself but I don't want to wish trauma on anybody so that they yeah. can know themselves better. Exactly. And this is like, this is part of why, you know, pleasure 
Yeah. The pleasure coaching. This that is part of why because you don't have to go through and again, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's like the big traumas get all of the get all of the attention. Yes. We've all had plenty of like small smaller scale traumas that can have the same effect. Yeah. But they're considered small because we don't talk about them. It doesn't mean that they aren't that you're not valid in feeling like that was a trauma. Right. Um, they just don't get the attention that they deserve. And right. so that is like part of the reason why I de- I decided to step into this. I feel like I just was am like supposed to be doing this so that specifically those with a vulva don't have to wait until there's a big traumatic event to like live their best life. Like it can happen now. I so yeah. agree with that. And I mean, and, the, and in a similar vein, so much of my working with people on body image and self-confidence mm-hmm. comes from having none, from being yeah. bullied, from having these these traumas placed on me, from having family members specifically, you know, tell me I'm not worthy. Tell me if I lost weight, I'd be so much better. Tell me, you know, these different yeah. things. And, and I don't wish that on anybody else. That's where my confidence has come from because, again, I was at the bottom and I picked myself up and moved forward. But those, there are so many things in my life that would be considered very small traumas mm-hmm. that didn't get acknowledged. That mm-hmm. and, and when I, so I recently posted on my personal Instagram about being body shamed on the plane. And I was flying to Disney World to meet my boyfriend. And I, we took like this tiny little prop plane from Reno, Nevada, which is my home airport, up to... Portland so it's super small regional plane Mm -hmm. uh your girl has a booty and like so I have to ask for a seatbelt extender which there is no shame in especially because older planes have tiny little fucking yeah and and it doesn't bother me and there's a lot of shame associated with that I've actually had people message me specifically being like what do you do and I'm like just ask for an extender it's not Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like a half an inch from me being able to buckle a seatbelt yeah the woman next to me on the plane just literally, I asked for a seatbelt extender. She looked at me. She looked me up and down and she clicked her seatbelt closed and looked me up and down again. Mm. And I posted about it mm-hmm. and I got feedback that, mm-hmm. well, I think you're probably imagining this. Mm. No, Mm-mm. no, I'm not. Mm-mm. Well, and, and then it was, well, you're always so positive and this just seems so negative because mm. the exact words on my post were, I will not make myself smaller and more digestible. You can choke. Yep. Just yep. in general. Yep. I don't obviously want anybody to choke. Yeah. But at the same time, like, yeah. I don't need to be smaller in order to be valid or to be digestible as a person. And that small moment, even though I'm talking about it, even though I talked about it right after it happened, that is something I will never forget that. Yeah. And that was just a woman looking at me on a plane. No words were exchanged, nothing, nothing. And that's like, that's a, what most people would consider a small trauma. Most people would never even speak on that. Yep. But that doesn't mean that it's not valid. Exactly. Exactly. And just the way that we were brought up, a lot of those quote, small traumas are considered stuff that we should just brush off. And we don't. We're Absolutely. not told that it's valid. We're not told that our feelings are valid. So of course we shove them down deeper because it shouldn't matter. We should just get over it. Right. We're told it's not a big deal. It's fine. Yeah. You, it, like yeah. it doesn't, it didn't hurt you. Maybe they didn't yeah. mean it. Maybe like, yeah. no. And that's not, 
recognize them, speak about your small traumas because they are traumas. And that's Mm -hmm. so incredibly important. And sometimes what you think is a small trauma is actually a very big trauma. Mm -hmm. Very big trauma. Yeah. Very big trauma. Uh, uh, So many things. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) I know. It's, it, it just, it just blows my mind. Yeah. It just blows my mind. I know. Me too. So my second question that I want to ask you, (laughs) any specific, and this is for more of listeners to have resources, Mm -hmm. um, books, media, people, mentors, et cetera, that have like been transformative in your journey that could be transformative in somebody else's journey. Yeah. So I think um, one of the best places to start if you're just interested in learning about uh, like more about sex Mm -hmm. I guess is to read the book come as you are now a couple of caveats it is and she calls this out in the book and so I feel okay saying this but like she comes from a place of where she's treating mostly white women with vulvas okay and so that being said There is a lot in that book that can be helpful for just understanding what happens like in an orgasm or like that kind of stuff, right? Okay. Yeah. And so, and it's, it's done in a way that gives, that gives language to some of the things that people want to speak about or learn about in a way that's like very easily digestible. I love that. I love that. I think, I think that that sometimes is really daunting when we, look into things like that and it's all just medical speak um and and not not easily digestible for the general public so that Mm -hmm. that's nice to hear (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes one of my like personal mentors in my therapy career it's how I kind of found um, pelvic bowl healing, which is like the last part of the coaching work is like healing the pelvic bowl, which is mm-hmm. includes your pelvic floor. Yep. It's where our essence is like housed and all of that. But Tammy Lynn Kent okay, um, is her name. And if you just search her, she has books. Um, Wild Feminine is amazing. It's just, yeah, it's just amazing. <laughs> and it. her books are cool too, because you can read the whole thing front to back, or you can, you know, you can like skim through and read the parts that you feel like you want to read and come to the other parts later. Right. Or maybe not at all, or, you know, whatever it is. I really enjoy books like that, that you can take specific information. It's not like refer back to chapter two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, this would be the other thing that for this, this is going to look different for everybody. But I think when you like go to, if you have social media, go to your social media, like if you go to Instagram and look at who you follow. Yes. And if everybody is just like you, there's probably a problem. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to follow people who have like their core values are very opposite than yours. Right. And and it's going to like trigger you and make you want to like argue and stuff like that. That's right. not what I'm talking about. Stay I, away from me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but, but if they look like you, if they express themselves this sexually the same way you do, and if that's all you have on your feed. Yes. Start there. Yeah. And just start to familiarize yourself. It's so powerful to just read and see yes. others. Yeah. Existing in a yes. way that you're not. 
And it's really beautiful to, um, so I actually just went to this event, um, here in Denver a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago, they were having like a showcase of people of color and sexual orientation other than straight. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. <laughs> yes. And so it was really, so it's, it was at this place called the milk market, which is just like this place in Denver that has like a bunch of different like places you can eat a bar. Yes, like all this. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So they had like different booths set up for like special like cocktails and stuff like that, but they were showcasing their businesses. Right. And I was there with a friend and I bought like this beautiful artwork that's going to go in my new office. And I like, can't wait. Anyways, <laughs> I'm like reminiscing about it because it's so beautiful. Um, I love that. My friend and I looked at each other and I said, you know, this is one of the safest places I've felt to be myself ever in my entire life. Oh, yes. And I identify as I'm cisgender, right? right. So yeah. that that's me. It's pretty like you know, that that's it. Yeah. And to be surrounded by people who were so, they brought themselves, you know how we were talking about like being authentically you? Yes. Everybody was authentically them and everybody wanted to be surrounded by that joy. Yes. And when you interacted with anybody, their joy rubbed off on you and your joy rubbed off on them. And like, you didn't look around the place. Nobody was unhappy. And it felt safe. And that was like such a cool experience. And if we only could get everybody to experience that. Right. Like what a world, you know? Right. Well, and and so I'll say this as a blanket term. So I'm bisexual and I could probably talk for an hour about like bi erasure and, Mm -hmm. and just different things, especially because I'm in a very heteronormative presenting relationship mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean that I'm not bisexual like yeah. yes I am yep. I am dating a man and we live together and now we have a dog and a cat and we have the things and we look very like white picket fence but yep. that doesn't make me any less bisexual period yeah um yep. and I, I think that there's a lot of that it's a whole other topic but it, it's really interesting to me because so I feel both very at home and not at home in the queer community because I am bi, because again, I'm in a very heteronormative presenting relationship. Mm-hmm. However, in the queer community, uh, and I'll use queer as my overarching term to encompass people who are not straight. <laughs> yeah. and, and rather if people identify as queer and don't want to be that, but I'll use queer as the general overarching term there. And so being able to be in a community like that has taken coming out to be your authentic self, Mm -hmm. to to choose a life that's still a very decent, I won't always say majority, but a lot of people are going to shame you for. Yeah. I think that that authenticity and that welcome and openness honestly does come from picking a life where you know you will potentially and it's not even picking it is walking out and presenting yourself knowing that you will most likely be shamed for who you are and doing it anyways yeah and I get and I don't necessarily always talk about the fact that I'm bi and I think that maybe I'm playing into some of the own erasure of that in myself but 
because in my brain, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. I like everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Mm -hmm. you know, how others perceive me. But I know that the perception in the queer community does make it a much safer place because they have gone through accepting themselves and then learning to accept others as they are. And that's so amazing and wonderful and and it takes so much strength and courage to come out um Mm -hmm. and to to live that yourself authentically and so you as a straight cis woman and myself as a very straight cis presenting woman Mm -hmm. it, it kind of plays into that of like we can live authentically as ourselves but it it's it's very I don't even want to say like we look normal <laughs> we, yeah. and like, and I'm not saying that yeah. looks, looks within the queer community, obviously. I mean, I have a shaved head and blue hair, so there's that, but like <laughs> there's yeah. so much in being trans or being anything that the visual presentation of your person is, is something that others want to find fault in. And, and I'm, I know that I'm protected within the fact that if I didn't speak about it, nobody would know. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's, that's such a whole other topic and such a heavy topic, but that I, I love that. I love that authenticity and, and feeling truly encompassed by that authenticity. It, It makes me, it makes me so happy that you got to experience that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. (laughs) I know it was really. The world needs more of that. (laughs) It, it truly does. It truly does. And when we, you know, working with somebody else that has like helped me on that journey a lot is, um, she, she asked me, she goes, so describe yourself without using like that you're straight or that you identify as a woman or that you use like she, her, like how, how would you describe yourself? Right. And then don't place those assumptions on others. And so when you interact with somebody, don't assume. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? That just because they, quote, look like you, that yep. they are like you. And that can be a really good way to, like, expand just knowledge in general. Absolutely. About others and accepting others and finding where you want to be. Yeah. And finding where you might discover something and be like, wow, this is, like, really special to me. Like, I'm really – I'm really grateful for this part of me. I never would have known that had I not explored. Right. And I, and I think, I mean, even what you're tying this back to of like social media, if everybody looks like you and everybody has Mm -hmm. those same ideologies, I guess is probably like, it's so important to, and on social media, it's so easy. It's so easy to follow other people and just read yep. their captions and see their images mm-hmm. and, and not do mm-hmm. anything. You don't even have to interact. You can just yep. exactly And yep. that, and you can see somebody else living their life in the way that is at that point, potentially authentic to them. I yes. will say that with the caveat that social media yeah. is a highlight reel, but at yes, the exactly. same time, like, but let's take, let's take it for what it is, is that you get a peek into somebody else's life, even if it is their best life. Yep. When they are living their best life and it's different than yours, mm-hmm. that's okay. And you should yeah. be seeing more of that. And if you're seeing those highlight reels, you should be able to applaud, applaud for other people in the room and you should be able to learn from other people in the room. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all it takes yeah. is pushing follow on Instagram yeah. to learn more about somebody else that you would have maybe never learned anything about. Yeah, exactly. 
It's so important. It is. It's very it's important. So important. Okay. And then my last question, which I feel like this is such a big one. Yeah. It's all one at the same time, because I feel like we've covered this in so many ways, but also not. <laughs> okay. What is, what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Oh, oh, you want to know what like first came to mind was, <laughs> was wear, wear the shorts. <laughs> the shorts. Yes. Wear yeah. the shorts. Wear the flipping shorts. Um, <laughs> you should just wear the damn shorts oh my god I was like so thankful that I played basketball because I could wear like big baggy shorts to be honest oh with you goodness. yeah geez louise anyways so <laughs> wear the shorts that would wear be the shorts yes and number two would be to not be afraid to let your light shine yeah like don't like stop being worried about showing who you are and being happy in it and having joy in it and having pleasure in it and living your best life for fear that you're going to make somebody else feel bad. Right. And that you're welcome. You're welcome wherever you are. Yeah. Well, in, in living that joy and letting your light shine, you attract the people that are meant to be there. Yeah, totally. Because that joy and that authenticity will bring people to you. Sometimes uh -huh. in roundabout ways, sometimes mm -hmm. in, you know, anything and everything, but that joy and that authenticity and being whatever, whatever descriptor anybody wants to describe themselves as dorky, nerdy, mm -hmm. goofy, funny, you know, super serious, smart, anything like that. Those type of things don't, don't find shame in those descriptors is, yeah. is huge. And, and yeah. letting that light shine is is everything like yeah you know like you saying like it'll bring the right people in um and they come for many reasons right um yeah but like so this experience that I recently had was I I met this person and literally first encounter they said something and I was like oh my goodness like this person just read me like they had known me for a hundred years right and then about two weeks later, they said something else to me. And they were like, well, yeah, Ashley, well, what about this? And I was like, excuse me, excuse me, who are you? Stop First of all, reaching into my soul. Of all, what on earth kind of energy am I giving off, right? But it was so validating that like where I was and who I was in that moment was exactly what I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that um, observation from them not only was it spot on, but it was, it's so good when you can show up and be, it wasn't uncomfortable, you know? Yes. It was like, wow, you, people can see me for who I am and I like that and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, I was a little like, I literally, so then they said, <laughs> then they literally said, it looks like you've seen a ghost. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well are you a ghost no you're like you're um, rocking my world yeah but I but it was one of the first times where I it's probably happened before maybe I I'm not really sure right. probably not on this level but it was one of those literally it was the most powerful time where I was like somebody else is seeing me and I'm not trying to run away from who I am yeah to hide that it's it, it that is a powerful powerful thing and a powerful feeling yeah and it's powerful yeah. when you can be that person for other people too. And it's, and it, yeah. I mean, it comes back to authenticity, it comes so yep. much back to authenticity and just 
being yourself and like mm-hmm. and letting it be I mean I, I, <laughs> I'm literally sitting on like the floor of my closet looking at my like sequin tops that I never wear being like why don't I let myself be shiny more often <laughs> <laughs> totally I mean, totally. Wear the shiny tops. Wear the shorts and the shiny tops. Wear the shorts and the shiny tops. Like, do the things. Do all the things that scare the shit out of you that you want to do because it's worth it. Yes. So worth it. Yes. It's so worth it. It is. Uh, uh, Ashley, okay. One, I cannot wait to have you back on. I can't wait to be back. I feel like, uh, like I was like, oh, we're gonna do this in two parts. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about pleasure again next time, and then we'll talk about (laughs) pelvic floor. Yeah. (laughs) Third time. Yeah. There's, you are just such an amazing wealth of knowledge. I feel so grateful that you are giving me your time and that I get to speak to you again, and that you've, you know, done this for my community now a second time and soon to be a third and fourth time. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. Well, I'm super thankful for what you do for everybody because I think, you know, if it wasn't for your platform, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't know if you realize the impact that you have on people, even if they're just watching from afar. Like, cause there's times where like I go months probably without saying anything in your community, but there have been four or 10 posts that have changed the trajectory of my day and you know not many people can say that and so I think we all are super grateful for what you do for everyone thank you I really appreciate that yeah really appreciate that it's yeah yeah, it feels it feels crazy sometimes because most of the time I'm like I'm just uh doing me over here I know but it's (laughs) so great you are so great. <laughs> and so are you. <laughs> this is why I adore you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for being on with me. And I cannot wait to have you back. Yeah, I can't wait to be back. Thank oh, you. and my last thing. Where oh, yeah. People, What's up? Where can people find you? Yes. Okay. So follow you or learn more or bring you on as their pleasure coach. Tell me. Yes. Tell me the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at... Ashley DPT, so like dog, Patty, Tucker. Um, <laughs> I don't know where those names came from. Well, I'm sitting right by my dog named Tucker, but like I don't know where Patty came from. Anyway, so at Ashley DPT, and then you can also email me, mm-hmm. um, doctor like dr, not the word spelled out. So dr Ashley Zimmerman at gmail.com. That's gonna be the easiest, and then we can chat about whatever you need. Oftentimes it's easiest to hop on a phone call, but email me and we can then set that up. I love it. Yeah. You are, you are so amazing to my community always. And I'm thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to someplace for everybody. If you love this episode, would you mind leaving me a review in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show? If you're looking for a community to love on you and support you in your self-love journey, come join our all-gender Facebook group, Someplace for Everybody, which can be found in the show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Until we meet again, be kind to yourself.